before we start this week's chat, we have got a brand new sponsor for Series 5 who I just have to tell you about because I am so, so excited about working with them this year. If you haven't heard of Plio, they are the multi-award winning business spending solution built for forward-thinking teams that have completely changed the business expenses game for the better and made our lives as business owners and our team's lives a whole lot easier. It was basically launched in Copenhagen by two founders who thought that the old way of managing business expenses was a bit rubbish. And I'm sure that you'll agree, I don't blame them. You know what it's like at the moment. Your team needs to buy something and you will scramble to share the company credit card around. You're WhatsApping card details to one another. You will waste so much time filing expense reports for every little thing. When you say it out loud, it's not exactly the smartest way for a growing business to work, is it? Which is why Yepa and Niccolo built Plio in 2015. To keep it short and sweet, Plio's cards make it easy for people to buy what they need for work without the red tape and save you, or I should say us, your team and freelancers so much time because there is no need for expense reports or random invoices. You just give everyone a Plio card and you can see who's spending what as it comes in. There's also no need to hold on to piles of receipts anymore too because Plio will automate all of that and the very best bit is that they sync with all the usual accounting software apps as well so that you know that everything is being reconciled in the right way. For me personally, even though I don't have an official team as you all know, Plio appeals because I can now send my VA Lisa and the team of freelancers I work with a card each so that we can now skip all the back and forth over card details and random invoices as and when they need to buy something for the business on my behalf. Even silly things like when we're back on the midweek mingle road shows and we're travelling again, I know full well that Chloe will need to nip out and buy extra snacks. So I can now give her a Plio card so that we don't have to faff around with invoices when we're home. Basically, it's a game changer and it wouldn't have won as many awards as it has done if it wasn't as good as it is. The best bit, they are offering all she can she did listeners, if you're a new customer, your first three months of Plio for free. Just head to plio.io to set up a demo using the link in the show notes and be sure to mention the She Can She Did podcast when prompted. A giant, giant thank you to Plio for their support of She Can, She Did, and also for handing the mic over to some amazing business owners who just so happen to be members of She Can, She Did in the middle of this episode too. What absolute legends they are, they are so unbelievably supportive, but that is enough of me rambling. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello everyone and welcome back to the She Can, She Did podcast. The podcast in which I, Fiona Grayson, sit down with smart, driven, beyond inspiring business owners dotted all over the UK and ask them to open up to me about the candid reality that they've pushed through behind the scenes. Warts and all, of course, to not just launch, but run, grow and sustain their business to date. The overarching aim being to encourage both current and aspiring business owners that if the women that I'm chatting to each week can overcome and did overcome the setbacks they faced, and believe me, not one woman will say that she's had it easy on here, you can and you will overcome whatever challenges this running a business malarkey chucks your way to. I was introduced to this week's guest by the incredible Gemma Harling, who happens to feature on the last series of this podcast, and knew straight away that if Gemma's saying that today's guest is one to watch, 
I had to get her onto the podcast to find out more about her story. The woman in question is Letitia Moripedi, the Birmingham-based founder of Letitia Organics. Organic skincare and lifestyle products are inspired by her own skin troubles and an understanding that there had to be another way to care for her skin without relying on products populated with synthetics. From the early days of handing out samples to her friends at her own baby shower and how she's grown the brand sustainably ever since, how she navigates the pressures that come hand in hand with running a beauty brand alongside a full-time job and raising her son, to how she held her nerve for two years when she took time out to rebrand properly and the various challenges that she encountered behind the scenes. She was a complete joy to chat to. I am in awe of her resilience. This is Letitia's story so far. Letitia, it's a Friday morning. Mm-hmm. Have you got a coffee? I haven't, and usually I would. That is a really rookie error. <laughs> I feel like I feel like coffee is always needed. I know. I literally start off usually with a smoothie, then hot water, and then a coffee. And I've got none of them, so let's see how this goes. <laughs> Idea. That doesn't bode well, does it? Letitia, can you please let us know who you are, what your business is about in your own words, and we will go from there. So I am Letitia, and I'm the founder of Letitia Organics. Letitia Organics is a wellness-first skincare and lifestyle brand rooted in the Moo philosophy. And MOVE stands for multi-use, multi-benefit, organic, vegan, and ethical. That's amazing. And I was literally just saying before we turned the mic on how incredible your skin is. So clearly you're doing something right. I'm trying. I'm trying. (laughs) Where did this idea come from? You know, what were you doing beforehand, actually? Let's start with there. So during university, I was struggling with skin, with my skin. I had acne skin, acne prone skin. I still do now, but I just manage it a lot better. And I just got to a point where I was just spending so much money on skincare products and I just wasn't seeing anything. And I was like, I remember my mom always having a holistic lifestyle, talking about what you put on your skin, what you put in your body, stress factors and everything. And then I just kind of remembered it. And while I was at uni, I was like, oh, wow, I can actually do this stuff because maybe that's what's the problem because I'm spending a lot of money and visiting like dermatologists and everything. Maybe I need to do like an inside out approach. So I just started to adopt like a holistic lifestyle. And I just got obsessed with like ingredients. Like I remember living with my flatmate and just being like, okay, I'm going to use and do a spirulina face mask. And she'd literally just not know what to expect every morning. And it just started this journey for me. And then when I finished university, I moved to Rotterdam for a six month placement and literally trying to get like natural organic skincare products in Rotterdam was just near impossible because I'd have to go to like the outer cities to find like what I wanted. And usually that would be like buying food. And it just wasn't a luxurious process like at all. Like shea butter would be in Tupperware. My like soap that I would use at the time would be wrapped in cling film. And I'd literally just feel like this is not the same experience that I'd have if I was buying like from John Lewis, Selfridges. And I think it just started like a real interest in A, creating organic rooted products and also having that amazing customer experience that I just felt was completely missing. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you're talking to the child of a homeopath. So anything to do with like holistic, you know, I've grown up where if I'm stressed or I've got my belly's playing up or something, it all connects, doesn't it? Like your head, your heart, all of it. So this is right up my street. But I always say, you know, there's one thing kind of seeing that gap in the market or I suppose like seeing a challenge present itself and thinking, oh yeah, that could be a good business idea. But then it's a completely different ballgame actually going ahead and putting the steps in place to make that reality. 
And I always think, especially with beauty, because there is so much pressure to do that right. Because if you balls up beauty, like when someone's putting it on your face, you know, you're suddenly in trouble, right? So talk me through how you went about testing that idea and just seeing if it had legs. So when I moved back from Rotterdam, I was about seven months pregnant. And I was like, okay, I'm moving back like with my mom and my partner. And we're going to have a baby in like May. And this is about March time. So I was like, okay, right. I can just start making products and just testing and just seeing what I can make. So I just made like lip balms. I started making soaps and I'll just literally give it to my friends and like have a baby shower. Everyone got like a sample. And then I was like, okay, this is quite good. It's not just in my head. Like I can make these products. And then I did like a five day business course with the Princess Trust. And that really helped with like accounting and understanding like the fundamentals for running a business. And it kind of gave me that grip because I literally didn't know anything. It's crazy because my parents have businesses, but I just literally didn't know anything. So I was kind of like, okay, right, I need to know what to do. And I'm not getting the information from my parents. So like, let's just do a course. So I was doing this course. And then I actually, this is interesting. I love to jump off and talk about this. So basically, I was, once I had my son, I was like, okay. What year are we talking? So this is 2017. So I was like, okay, look, I really want to launch a brand, but I don't have the capital right now slash it's just a lot to go through all of the processes to establish a really fully fledged beauty business. So I was like, okay, let me just do a subscription box for now. So I literally was just sourcing ingredients and I'd send it to you and you'd literally mix it yourself. And it was basically like a DIY kit, which I thought, okay, this is as good as it's going to get for now. And then I actually got hit with a threat for like a um, lawsuit because of a trademark issue. So I was actually like, okay, I've invested money into this. I've been running this for almost like four or five months. And now I've got to completely shut it down because she was just like, you can't use that brand name on anything. So it got to a point, end of 2017, where I was just like... What was it called? <laughs> God, I don't know why I called it this brand. It's called Relevant Waffle. It doesn't make any sense now that I think about it. It was my blog name at the time. Right. But I was just like, let's just run with it. Relevant Waffle. And it didn't make any sense. Like literally looking back, I was like, I don't know why I ran with it, to be honest. Like, it's totally <laughs> branded. But anyway, that gave me the push to be like, okay, first of all, the name doesn't make sense. And second of all, the business wasn't really the business that you wanted to do in the first place. So like, let's just like have a bit of a break because this may be just, you know, this is a sign kind of thing. So I then had time to be like, okay, what did you actually want to do? Okay, you wanted to create organic skincare products. You wanted a luxurious experience. Let's go back to the roots rather than kind of like shortcut in and trying to get to like a business idea. So I just took time off. I was like, okay, cool. The woman sent me an email. I was like, okay, fine. That's all right. I'll stop. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was like, okay, cool. So I took about, I'd say three or four months to just think about what I wanted to do. And at the time, my son had eczema skin. He still does, but it's really, really okay now. He has the occasional flare-up. But I was like, okay, I need a moisturizer that's really going to help his skin. So I started to collect products and start to experiment making like a whipped moisturizer for him. And then I was like, okay, let me document this on Instagram. I have been off it because I literally was just like, I canceled all my posts, I archived them all. And then I was like, okay, let me just start documenting the fact that I'm going to make this product for my son. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of, you know, documented the process and I got a bit of interest. I'm like, oh, you should sell this. You should do this. And I was like, okay, maybe this could be my first product. So I literally was just like whipping it, putting it on Instagram. And then I was like, when it got to a point where I was like, the formula is great. I just need to know what scent to do. And I like put out a poll, not a poll, sorry, because I don't think polls were then, but I just asked on Instagram, like, oh, what essential oils should I use? And then it just kind of snowballs from there. What did people want? Which oils? 
Well, I had a lot of suggestions actually. I had like lemongrass, mm. uranium, Palo Santo. Those are the ones I can think of in my head. I actually pick quite a few of them. Like in this ritual Shea Souffle moisturizer, there's lemongrass, geranium, cedarwood, and lavender. So I literally was just like, okay, cool. I'll use that one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah, but it was super helpful. Like it was really, really helpful. And I sent off testers as well. So people got to try it. So in my mind, I didn't really like know how to launch a product, but this was just kind of market research, seeing what people wanted and then just developing it with the feedback. And then it got to around April and I was like, okay. Oh, it's 2018 now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be Iris' birthday. We share the same birthday. And I was like, maybe I should just challenge myself and like launch this product because I've certified it now. I've got feedback. I've been sharing it with my family and friends and they love it. So I was like, okay, let me just run with this. So I decided to run like an Indigo campaign. And that was literally to raise 800 pounds to like cover buying ingredients, buying packaging and literally just like getting everything ready because all the base stuff was done. And it went really well. Like I think we hit a thousand pounds ish or more. That's amazing. On that note, really quickly, was that a comfortable experience in terms of raising? Um, It was okay. I think once I'd like pulled up the confidence to like launch it, I was kind of like, gosh, what have I done? Because <laughs> once my family... like, hey guys, can you give me some money, please? <laughs> like once my family and friends have put money in, I was like, okay, we're like a hundred pounds in. Like what am I going to do now? <laughs> but like being on Instagram and having like built that community really, really helped because once people pledged, they were just like, you have to support this brand. It's so good. And it just kind of created this like, I don't know, like just a repost effect, like people mm-hmm. wanting to share that they've pledged and you should share too. So I only ran it for two weeks, by the way, because I was like, I can't do this for a month. I'm like, there's only so much. It's too much stress. <laughs> yeah. But like once it got up to the two weeks mark, I was like, cool, we've hit above target. Like, this is great. And it gave me the confidence to be like, okay, this is a legit brand and this is a legit product. So I need to actually make this and continue this. So yeah, that was like the start, start off of the brand. Yeah. That's absolutely amazing. Did you have any goals for the brand then? Like if we go back to those early days, like once you'd launched that, did you let yourself dream about what it had the potential to be or what were your kind of ambitions for it back then? I think when I launched the brand, I just literally wanted to have a really organic product that I absolutely loved and people loved. And then honestly, I didn't know what else I was going to, I've already like tested like soaps, lip balms and all this stuff. But I think I just was like, let's just go because I am like a perfectionist. So unless I've got all my eggs lined up and I know exactly when I'm releasing it, when I will not launch the brand until everything's in place. So I was just like, just go, like, just go and you'll find out what to do next. Like when you're on the way. So my foresight was just kind of like, okay, I want a great brand. I want to be personal because with the Tish Organic, I was like, we're in the studio today. You know, we're doing this when it really was just me and Irie. And I was just like, I need to just be personal. So I was like, that's why I wanted to call it Tish Organic. Because I was like, it's just me. Like, (laughs) (laughs) no pretending. (laughs) No pretending. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love that. What about pricing that first product as well? Because I always think it's a funny one, isn't it? Because it's like the first thing that you're kind of putting out there. And I think confidence comes around the topic of pricing as it goes on. I rarely meet someone that nails their pricing straight away. So I'm always intrigued about the topic. So pricing was definitely, uh, listen, I literally picked up the product. I was like, what would I pay for this? And I looked at it and I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to charge this much. And then I realized afterwards that, Tish, you did not consider the ingredients, the labor, the packaging, how to get it to someone's house. So 
then I was like, okay, I had a mentor at the time. No, yes. Yeah, so she had a mentor at the time and she kind of helped me. She's like, okay, you can either go mid-market, you can either do it like this. And I kind of, I think when I launched the product, I just went with whatever I wanted to go with. And then I reviewed it with her and she was just like, okay, this is probably where it should be. So I kind of increased it a little bit then. And then when I went through the whole rebranding process, which was 2019, I was like, I need to make this make sense because I want to be in retailers. I need to be able to make sure that that margin is in there. Mm. So it was just a long process because once you tweak the packaging, it tweaks the price. So I was literally going back to my financial spreadsheet like weekly because I was like, okay, I've got a new label now. Now I have to shift things and move things around. I've got carton boxes now. I have to shift things around. So yeah, it's a long process. Even now, I still look at it like, did I price right? (laughs) Honestly, it fascinates me because yeah, it's just such a learning curve, isn't it? Until you're in it and you kind of really take the time to figure out all of that bit and your labor on top of all of that and yeah it's just it's madness how did it evolve like how quickly did things pick up or obviously there was a rebrand I mean it's so beautiful now but that was obviously only launched what a few months ago yeah a few months ago literally February this year so what's that journey like in terms of the evolution of it talk me through like what made you want to change where were the orders coming in from etc etc so when I launched, I had like an influx of orders for the Chez Souffle at the time. I think it was called it the Whip Chez Souffle. I think that was what it was called. So I was literally just fulfilling all those orders. And I was like, Whoo! as soon as I sent them up, I was like, thank God, because that was a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, okay, market. So I was literally at every single market that I could go to. I'd take my... Days for the days, eh? <laughs> yeah, literally. I, honestly, I don't know if I could do it again because it was so exhausting. And I think I had like a four-month, five-month-old at the time. No, 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 I didn't. I had a year-old. Like, Still, sort of. though? Yeah, so it was, it was intense. It was intense. So I was like, okay, right. So I was going to markets. I was doing anything. I was doing my own press contacts, trying to get into press. I managed to get into Stylist and BBC, which was really cool. Like, it was like a video. I was on BBC One. And then I was just literally doing everything myself. I was working at the time, but it was only part-time. So like literally around, like Monday to Wednesday, I was at my job. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday was literally Letitia Organics. And then I would literally just dispatch orders, go to the post office, make products. I found that when going to the markets, I got a lot of feedback and they were just like, you need to make this into a candle. I was like, okay, cool. I'll make it into a candle. So I used the same scent launched it and in fact I find that candle making is just a little bit more straightforward than launching a beauty product so it didn't take too long to get that onto market and then it was just like a process like literally just going around just getting feedback going to markets going to events I did stylist live which was really really cool and that was my biggest event that I'd ever done and honestly the lead up to that was a lot like I was literally just like I can't bring 10 units like I need to make so much more and I literally wrote to my friend, family, literally my partner, we'd sit up labeling stuff all night and getting there. I was just like, wow, this is big because literally I'd look next door and it's like really established brands. And I was like, how did I get here? Like, I'm not sure. And I think once it got to stylist, I was like, okay, I really like what I'm doing here. And I really like what I've kind of tapped into, but I feel like I need to level up because I really want to be in these amazing retailers, but I want the packaging experience to just be 10 out of 10 because I did all the packaging designing my background was in architecture I did a degree in architecture so I did all the labels did all of the literally anything that I could create I'd do it myself I didn't outsource anything the web designing did it myself so I was just like 
I want to level up because I'm doing this as a one man band show and I want everything to just be on par so that I can really drive this into like the way I see it. Because I was just kind of like, I was just kind of starting with what I had and just hoping that I'll just end up there. And it worked to a point, but I was just like, I need to really, like I need barcodes. I don't know how I was going to squeeze that on a label. So it just kind of like forced me to be like, okay, Tish, like this is probably a good time to rebrand because you've got a community, you've got, you know, like the orders and you prove that it works. So now it's time to like invest and really kind of like level up the whole packaging experience, the brand experience and so forth. I love that so much. I want to go back a few steps though to things like going to Stylist Live. That's a cost. Trade shows are expensive. So talk me through, like, how did you fund that? Was it a case of just putting money away with all the orders and just saving it? Like, you know, it's a risk, right? You're just hoping it pays off. Yeah. I can't remember the exact amount, but I'm pretty sure it was about 1400 for a stylist okay. back in the day. That was in 2018. Yeah, that was 2018. And was it, was it 2018 or 2019? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but I literally was just like, oh my gosh, this is a great opportunity. I don't have the money and I know that I don't want to miss out. And I'm pretty sure that the next year, the year after, they did it into like a Luke show. It went completely not not in Olympia or anything like that. And they just went completely down a different avenue. And I was so glad that I did it at that point. They had a huge audience and like you could literally reach so many people, make new connections and everything like that. So I was really glad that I did it then. So I had a conversation with my partner and he was just like, okay, I'll invest into it. We'll put this down and then we'll just see how it goes. So he gave me the money and then I literally was just like, as soon as I finished, I was like, yes, I've made above the money so I can pay him back. And I've got money for myself and I can pay my friend because she was on the store with me. So it literally worked out. Like I ended up after paying everybody back and obviously the cost of everything and like how much products I bought, I had profit. So to be honest, to me, it was a win. 100%. But I love that. I think it's like a calculated risk, right? You have to really yeah. weigh up and it. Moments like that are a real test of your, how much you actually believe in what you're doing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That you're willing to take your partner's money mm-hmm. and ask your friends to join you and like put your pride on the line like that yeah 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 but it paid off yeah it did pay off I was definitely like ooh, do I do it (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be messy but it worked out thank god (laughs) I love that so much and also I want to go back again to things like you obviously said the feedback there market stalls I've heard mixed reviews can be also brutal like in the sense that people walk past and flat out ignore you or they walk past and be like oh like have you seen that you know and I'm sure they'd never do that to your products but like what was your experience you know having the actual face-to-face connection with your customers because I think it's a completely different game to social media and having that interaction yeah like I my goal when I went to the market was just to find ones that were kind of closely aligned with my values so organic markets vegan markets I was there But then it was just kind of like, okay, I have literally a table to present this brand and try and like lure people into buying my products. So I literally would make it as pretty as possible. I had this look, I think it was my, it was a baby shower gift. It was like, my friend made like a little advent calendar, wooden advent calendar, and I put all my products in there. And I think I just tried my hardest to do what I had to make it look like, oh my God, what is she selling? And it generally did work for the most part. Initially, when you start, you're like, oh wow there's no one coming to my table (laughs) (laughs) I'm always that person at markets where I literally see someone with an empty stand and I go straight there because I just can't bear it I'm like I'll talk to you (laughs) please all I need is you and then someone else will come 
<laughs> literally, so funny. Yeah. So literally just like, it definitely came with nerves. Because once you've unpacked, you're like, okay, cool. I've done like the easiest part. Now I need to actually try and sell some stuff. Yeah. But usually, like, obviously the first hour or, I don't know, 30 minutes is hard because people are just kind of entering in. They don't know which table to land at. But then it would, like, pick up and I'd be like, cool. And sometimes I'd literally just sell out. Like, I'd literally, especially the smaller parts, they'd go. And usually that would be the kind of entry point because then they'd be like, I need your website. I want to reorder. And a lot of the people that met me at events still order from me today. Like, I was off the grid for a year, I think two years, two years when I was doing the whole rebranding process because I didn't know how long it was going to take. And literally, as soon as I launched, I recognized names. Like, people are like, I've been literally waiting for this product to come back. I was oh, like, oh, wow. wow. And this is just the power of events. And usually, whenever I do an event, I'm like, God, I don't know if I'm going to do that again because it's so tiring and exhausting. Oh, my God. The come down after an event is brutal. <laughs> it's literally like, I honestly, I plummet the day after a mingle. Yeah. I'm like a zombie walking around. There's yeah. nothing left in me. Literally, it's so much planning. Like, even when I do workshops, all the planning, all the prep, then you have to have all the energy to like, you know, deliver the best workshop, mm. best event. And then afterwards, you're like, oh, that was fantastic. You smashed it. And then literally once you get home, you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> literally. So, so true. It's like that real like elation of how well it went. But literally, I've got nothing left to give. No, literally, like I'm done. Like after an event, I have to take a lot of thought into whether I want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay, right. So let's go back to post-stylist. You're ready to level up. You just said off the grid for two years. That is, in my opinion, a long time. again, it's a, yeah, it's a long time, but it's also a testament to how much you believe in it, that you're willing to kind of commit to a rebrand for two years and hold your nerve for that period of time and like trust the process that people are going to be there at the end. Because I think there's yeah. so much pressure nowadays to show up constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually think that sometimes big changes like that and leveling up, it does take time and it takes time to figure out which direction you want to do it in and do it properly. So yeah, talk me through, I guess, the realities of what that two year period looked like and what you prioritised. So I remember, I think it was around March time, 2019, and I went to London and I was just like, okay, let me just go to all the stores that I want to be stocked in. So I went to Liberty, I went to... Space in K, I went to Content Beauty, like all the really... Selfridges? Yeah, oh, Selfridges. Yeah, I did Selfridges. I did that in Birmingham and John Lewis as well. And I was just like, okay, what do I need to do? Right, first of all, I need cotton packaging because that's kind of like standard for, you know, your barcodes and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, and what look am I going for? Because I really like the look that I've gone for when I launched because it's kind of like these gold containers, they're pretty you know, recyclable, sustainable, ETC. So I was like, I still kind of want to match that same aesthetic, but I just want it to be more looks. Like that was literally what I wanted. I think my brief was just eco looks. Like that's literally what I wanted to go for. Sustainability was a big part of the brand from the beginning. And I just wanted to continue that. So I was just like, okay, right. I need a packaging designer. I need a copywriter. I need a web designer. I need a photographer. And all of these are just like, long processes because first you have to find these people and then you have to meet with them get them to understand your brand then you know you have to wait for them to give you the work and and then keep going back and forth tweaky tweak 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 so I think I met did I yes I did I met the packaging designers at an event the fig sisters 
And I was like, yes, I want to work with these girls because they have been a part of the brand. They'd already done an event. And I was like, okay, these seem like the, you know, perfect. So I reached out to them and I was literally just like, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to elevate the brand. We met in like a coffee shop. And they're just like, yep, yeah, we're like totally on board. And they literally work with very commercial brands. So like they work with ghost fragrances, soap and glory. So I was like, okay, yep, yeah, just little on <laughs> me with my little old budget. I love that though. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And they really believed in it. And it was honestly a blessing because A, not only were they willing to work with me, but they were actually just like, look, our budget usually is like way out of what you can afford. So how about we do like a Skillshare and like, you can develop products for us because we've always wanted to launch products and then we can help you with your branding and do this as a collaboration. I bloody love a value exchange. I love it. Like, honestly, it was like my first experience of this. And I was like, this is great because I have expertise. I might have the finances, but I have the expertise. So like, it was really great. And I was just like, do you know what? This is like a dream partnership because they got the brand. They had experienced the brand and they were just able to just understand exactly what I was trying to do. And then they recommended a copywriter to me. Charlotte? Charlotte, yeah. I love her. <laughs> yeah. She just, honestly, like when I, don't think I'd ever heard of a copywriter before. Yeah. And I was just like, I need words for my products. I need to describe them better than I have in the past. And literally she sent me the work and I was like, wow. Like mm-hmm. I literally feel like I've been transported when I read what she's wrote. And even when I look at the packaging and the writing and the names of the products and everything, and I just think, I couldn't have done this. Like, I literally, when I picked a name, I was like, okay, it's whipped. Okay, it's shea butter. <laughs> it looks like a souffle. <laughs> and that was it. That was literally it. And like, no thought at all. Whereas she was just like, the thought, the tone, the experience, the fragrance. And it just literally, I was just like, okay, this sounds fantastic. So they worked kind of at the same time, just because they needed the copy in order to do the labels and all that stuff. Then I was like, okay, this is... To clarify, that's Charlotte from Media Lux. Yeah, Charlotte from Media Lux. 100% recommend. Big Mm. Sisters, 100% recommend. Like, they're just amazing to work with. They've got a really collaborative approach. Sometimes you feel like when you work with, especially because I kind of have a design background, you can have clients that feel awkward about giving feedback and stuff like that. But they were just like, what do you think? How should we tweak this? How can we make this better? What do you like? And they worked with that. And that was like the best thing because it was like, we could just put our minds together and create obviously something beautiful because it's stunning. And it's still got all of your, it's you at the heart of it, right? I think that's like when you know someone's good, it's because they can tap into your head, right? Bring it to life. Yeah, exactly. So that was a really good process. And to be honest, it took a long time. Like I thought six months, three months, that we should wrap this up. It should be good. But I was really launching with five products. So before I only had two. And now it was like three new products, three new packaging. We were actually finding out what to put this in, you know, from the get go. So it was a long process. I think we wrapped up around 2020. I think I remember getting the files, the final files. Yeah, it must have been the beginning of 2020, I think. Yeah, around that time. And I was like, wow, I just didn't think it was going to take a year. I just started working at this time again because I, when I was about to rebrand and I was making that decision, I'd finished my contract at an architect practice. So that was May 2019. So from then till like January, I wasn't working. So it was literally just like me head down, figuring out what to do. And then I started working again. And around that time in January, they were kind of wrapping things up. And then at the same time as that, I was also trying to get certification for all the products. So Vegan Society trademark and the Soil Association trademark. And again, 
lengthy processes. I was like, wow, this is really taking time. I didn't think it was going to take me a year plus to relaunch, but the amount of data you need to give them, the suppliers, everything, it just took so long. And I was like, you know what? At this point, I really don't know when I'm going to launch. Yeah, yeah. I was keeping people posted, obviously, but then it just got to a point where I was like, I don't want to keep building anticipation if this is going to take a long time. And I'd started working with Gemma, I think it was around 2019, but then she had her baby in 2020. And then we got back in touch around July time. And it was actually perfect timing because I was just like, I'm really, really, really close. I just need like the support to keep pushing things forward. The things that I would normally miss, you're just like, what about this? How are you going to do this? So that super helped. And like, yeah, Gemma, I love her. She's great. You and me both. So this is Gemma at Lunia. Is she a mentor though? Like what? Yeah, what? A mentor, yeah. And how did you get her? You know, in her, that's how did you get her? Such a badly worded thing. How did you come into contact with her or what role did she play? So I met her, let me try and think. I followed her on Instagram and okay, I think it was through the Coven girl, yeah. I can't remember the group, yeah. So I met her through there and then she did a competition when she was running Lumi, like uh, you can win like a free one-to-one call with me, blah, blah, blah. So I entered and I was like, yeah, I'd love it. And I think, at, I think it was January 2019, if I'm correct. I think it was around that time. I might be wrong, but I won it. And I was like, I called her and, you know, we had a great call. She was like, I really love your products. I love your work ethic, da, da, da. And it was just great. It was just literally just talking to her about my products. And she gave me some like insights of like things to consider basically. Mm. And then I think it was maybe a few months after that, she reached out and was like, look, I really like what you're doing with your brand. I'd love to mentor you for free for 12 months. And I was like, me? Really? <laughs> oh, I just love her so much, honestly. I know. She's been, for me personally, like, she's just there, isn't she? She just sends the most supportive messages. And I'm like, oh, I've got so much time for that woman. A huge thank you to Plio for handing over your ad space to us, Team Hen. Sassy Hen Party products for modern bride squads. Team Hen's reign over the Hen Party world started way back in 2014 when Willie Straws and tacky concoctions were rife and best forgotten. Armed with my MacBook and a request from my best friend to plan a hen party, I accidentally kick-started Team Hen, not knowing that it would grow into the six-figure brand it is today. As a mum to two young children, Team Hen started small, but grew quickly and now operates from a light industrial unit where we laser cut and engrave our products, hand-pour candles, mix bath salts and pack our orders with the utmost care and attention to detail. With an ever-growing team, all mums with a variety of former life careers, We work flexibly around our childcare commitments to bring our customers quality and value, all beautifully wrapped in Team Hen's signature packaging. If you're planning a hen party, be sure to visit our website at teamhen.co.uk or find us on Instagram at teamhen. Okay, so we're fast forward then to, this is where it gets interesting. The brand comes together early 2020. You've just gone back to work. Then the world goes into lockdown. I'm really interested to know how that, because it was just such a monumental like shift for all of us, how that played out for you personally in terms of momentum when you've given this rebrand two years, it's kind of ready to go. And then global pandemic hello (laughs) it's not ideal (laughs) honestly I'm listening to this conversation and I'm just like the years just blur and I'm like we had a pandemic for a whole year (laughs) I know I have to like every time I say it in an interview I'm just like oh yeah we're still in that 
<laughs> yeah, well, we're still here. We're still here. <laughs> so I started my job in January and I was like full time and I'd literally settled I'm in nursery. And then I started in kind of the same same company, but I started a new role in March. So I was literally in the office for like two days and then we had to work from home. And I was just like, what on earth? First of all, Irie got pulled out of nursery. So it was literally just me working full time from home with Irie for six months and trying to work on the rebrand and trying to figure out when I'm going to launch because it was just kind of like, I felt like I was just going around in circles. I'd finished the packaging and then something with the trademark needed to be sorted out, the vegan trademark, all the organic trademark, and then the packaging and went to order the cartons. And I was just like, oh, when am I going to do this? And I think a lot of the time it was just time. Like the lack of it just meant that progress wasn't being made month on month. So it just meant that things were just generally slowing down. So I think when Gemma got in contact with me around June, I was just like, great, because I'm just going around in circles at this point. I feel like I'm close, but I feel like I'm also just, you know, every time I'm thinking I haven't done this, it just kind of sets me back another month or something like that. And she was just kind of like, okay, this is what you need to work on. And we just started meeting every month online and it was really, really helpful. And she's like, okay, consider this. Maybe you need to work on this document. You need to figure out this. And she has a skincare brand, so she knows everything about skincare. Not a good it. skincare brand. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> I love it. So it was super helpful. I just needed someone to kind of just like rein me in because I was literally just running around like a headless person, trying to do my job, trying to keep my son entertained and trying to get this brand back on the market that had been off for like way too long. So I think every time we'd have a call, she'd be like, okay, so when you're launching? And I'd be like, I don't no I still have so much to do and then she's like okay launch before Christmas and Christmas came and I was just like I still don't have packaging like I'm still waiting for this order China literally my suppliers were just on go slow because of the whole pandemic getting in contact with them and the shipments I think Brexit didn't help either like it was just literally just a mess so we just kept slowing things down and most of the time I was just like you know I can't really help this at this point because Mm. there's not much I can do so it got to around December time. I was like, I'm going to do a shoot. Like I'm going to do a shoot. And I did a shoot with Joe, Joe Green. And I met her through another event. So a lot of this, like these threads of people, I was yeah. just like, this is just fantastic. So I reached out to her. It's the power of networking, right? Yeah. And I don't feel like I was networking at that time. Mm. I was just like, hey, this is my brand. Da, da, da. Yeah. And I think we were talking about like wellness and stuff for like a good hour after my event. And yeah, we ended up just working together when lockdown eased and did a photo shoot and it was fantastic. We had a day in a studio in Birmingham, literally just knocked it out, shot all the products. And then she did all the PNG, like e-commerce images from home. And it was just like another dream connection because she was working from home and it was just, it was just so nice to get out of the house as well, because even though lockdown had kind of eased, you weren't really meeting up that much with friends and stuff like that. So it just felt nice to be out the house doing something creative. And then I was like, okay, right. The packaging has arrived. I've shot the products. It's almost the new year. We passed Christmas, you know, but it's almost the new year. And I had a call with Gemma. I think it was in, was it February? Yes, it was my second call. I think it was February because I don't know whether I managed to meet up with her in January just because it was busy and new year and all that stuff. So February time, it was like the beginning of February. She was like, okay, update me. I went through the website, which I built with my partner and my fiance. I did all the logistics, like the navigation of it, making sure it's exactly how I want it to be. And then he did all the design elements to it. And I was like, cool, this is exactly how I want it to look. And then, so I was like, okay, Gemma, this is the website. This is the product. This is the photo shoot. This is where we're at. 
she was like, okay, cool. This is great, Letitia. Like, and she's like, what have you got left to do? And I was like, okay, so I still need to tweet my press release. I still need to tweet this. still need to do this. She's like, okay, all of that stuff can be done after you've launched. I want you to launch within a week. And I was like, um, I didn't expect that from this call. <laughs> but then, <laughs> do you know what? She was like, I'm going to just show you what I'm doing with Linnea because it's great because we talk about like her brands and like I give her advice and things that I could like. I think she was thinking about packaging and I was like, oh, you should use this font, da, da, da. So she was like, look, I'm going to show you something about Linnea. While you're doing that, I want you to post on Instagram saying that you're going to launch in a week. And I was just like, I don't know if I could do this. <laughs> Honestly. I was so nervous. And I was like, I had all the images. I had everything ready, pretty much. It was just like me, just like freaking out that I haven't completely checked off every single thing on my two-year to-do list, basically. She was just like, no, like you said you were going to launch in summer, you didn't. You said you were going to launch before Christmas, you didn't. It's February now. You can launch now. It's going to be Valentine's Day. There's going to be Mother's Day. I think today is the time. And I was like, I had nothing to say because usually I'd be like, oh, Gemma, I haven't got any packaging. I haven't got this. And she was just like, you're going to do it? I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you need a bit of tough love. No, I did. I Honestly, now I wouldn't have launched. Like, I think I would have probably taken, I, in my mind, I was like, let me just launch in May because it's like two years from launching, not even two years, three years since launching let's just do it then because then I launched like a week before my birthday let's just you know make things all sentimental and everything and she's just like no like that's just way too late and I want you to launch now and honestly if I hadn't had that mentor session I wouldn't have done it I wouldn't have done it I would have just been like I still have this to do this to do this to do this to do tweaking the website for god knows how long (laughs) I know exactly what you mean we're rebranding at the moment goes live in two weeks and I was thinking oh do I wait until August because it's like fourth birthday and then I was just like hang on a second no I need to do this (laughs) yeah exactly no one gives a shit like if it's your birthday or not just get on with it you need to do it I so relate to that so much and now it's live we're gonna go back and do all challenges and all of that but now it's live how does it feel given that that's so many like I mean, it's not so many years, but it's when you're running a business, that's a lot of time. It's two years in the making, so. Um, Now that it's live, I'm like, okay, right. You were really freaking out about nothing because I'm still tweaking things today. Like I thought I'd just launch and then that's it. I've got nothing else to worry about. I could just wait for the money to roll in now and, you know. (laughs) It's so true though. We get so like caught up in like just launching the thing and then it's like, no, no, no. You launch it and then you've got a product to get off the ground. Like that's when the work starts. Yeah, 100%. So I think when I launched, I was just like, okay, I did an Instagram live on the launch day and I was like talking to people through the products. It was actually hilarious because I went live on Instagram and I had a glass of water there and I was like, I'm so nervous. Like I know I'm nervous because my legs are literally shaking. And I think I've reached to pick up a product and I knocked over a glass of water and literally through the whole Instagram live video, like water was just dripping onto my lap. And I was just like, yeah, and this is the most amazing product. I was wet. I was cold. I was so nervous. I was literally just like, this is like, actually, <laughs> I'm ready for this to end. Honestly, that's so funny. Like, but that's the thing though. These are kind of the realities of like being your own boss, right? Like it's not easy to show up. Like if you're not comfortable talking to large audiences and stuff, it really is. Even if you are at home and it's through a screen, like you have to put on a brave face sometimes, right? Yeah, 100%. Like most of the time when I do something, like the courage it takes me to do it, I'm just like, okay, let's go. I've committed to this now. (laughs) What do you tell yourself in those moments when the business really does test you and it's like, okay, I'm about to get out of my comfort zone. I know this is going to be uncomfortable. Like what is it that spurs you on? Like do you have a kind of thing where you just give yourself a pep talk? (laughs) 
usually when I like get an opportunity, I'm just like, okay, right, let me overthink this. Then I overthink <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, I think you can do this. And then I'm like, just before I do it, I'm just like, I'm so like scared. I don't really want to do this now. And then as soon as the camera comes, I'm like, hi, everyone. <laughs> oh my God, I relate so much. So, so true. Right, let's go to challenges. Mm-hmm. What has been the hardest part about this story so far? Hmm, I would say just time management. I think even now, Like I'm working from home, I've still got a full-time job. And in the evenings, literally, I'm just, I have to pick what battle to fight. I'm like, do I make new products? Do I think about what I need to launch? Do I need to think about more? And it's just time. I think that's my biggest challenge at the moment. It's just time where I'm just constantly thinking, okay, I have to do this. And even when I'm finished work, and usually I have quite a tight schedule where I'm like, start working from home at seven, finish at three, pick up Ari from school. Come home, fun time, lunch. So when you say work, are we talking about Letitia Organics now? Or are we no, talking no. about you still got yeah, enough job? Time. Yeah, so wow. we're doing administrative assistant at a university. So once that's done, then I'm like seven till three. I usually wake up at six. Seven till three, I'll do my working from home stuff, which honestly, working from home has helped because it just means that I cut out the commute time. I've got time at lunchtime if I want to run to the post office, ETC. So when, once I finish at three, pick up party from school, go to the park, eat dinner, da-da-da. And then once he's in bed, which is usually around half six, seven, because I'm just like, you got to sleep. I got stuff to do. <laughs> it's funny because like now it's bright. And he's like, but it's bright outside. And I'm like, yeah. I don't I'm, care. So like, I will literally, as soon as he's in bed, I'm like, okay, now I need to eat something because we have dinner at like five and I'm starving by seven. So I'm like, eat something, watch the office for like 10 minutes. And then I'm like, cool, crack on. Like, we've got to think what to do. And honestly, that cycle on repeat for like a good year, it's a challenge. I feel like it is a challenge. Work-life balance is a challenge. Finding the time is a challenge. And there's always that feeling of like, oh, I still haven't done this. Like, I still haven't figured this out or I still haven't launched this. And I think a lot of the time I just have to give myself a bit of grace because I'm just like, there's only so much time in the, in the day and you're also juggling a lot. So I think my biggest challenge at the moment is time. Mm-hmm. I think prior to that, I'd say the lawsuit was probably like really, really difficult because I'd invested quite a lot of money in it. Time, I'd ordered like 500 boxes of a brand that I can't sell anymore. So <laughs> that was like a bit of a low point. But generally, right now, I'd say time, time and just thinking, okay, how do I scale? Like, how do I work this around my job, you know, and how do I make this sustainable so that it is a solid form of income for me? Because it is doing well. And to be honest, from the launch, I was so surprised. I was like, I should have launched earlier. (laughs) Yeah, And that's the thing, though, isn't it? Like in terms of like making it sustainable for you. How are you making that a thing? Like in terms of salary and all of that, like building up, I presume you're building up to go full time with it one day. Yeah, I think my goal is definitely to do it full time at some point. Really and truly, it's just scaling it and slowly building the amount of orders. And I feel like it's consistency. Plus, at the moment, my goal. So when I launched, I was like, I really want to be in retailers. Obviously, COVID shut all the retailers. So they're kind of difficult to kind of pitch to at the moment. So it's still in my goal for this year. I think it'd probably be just later on in the year where I could probably see that as like a a real strong income source for Letitia Organics. But I think, yeah, it's just literally consistency with marketing to bring in new customers. Mm -hmm. And then I think another big part of that will be the retailers. And I think that will be kind of a good catalyst because it won't be like small amounts. It will be like 
larger, larger amounts. And that's when I'll literally have to be like, okay, how are we going to scale this? Because I've got a home studio, which I work from. And I can work out quite a good amount of products because I did invest in all the like machinery to work at a bigger scale than I did pre-relaunch. But yeah, it's, it's a process. And when I wasn't working, I had so much pressure to be like, I need income. I've got bills. Like this needs to sell. Whereas now I'm just like, okay, this works. Okay. Influencer marketing. Okay. We can see some income coming from there. And I just have a little bit more leeway to really test the waters and see what works rather than being like, okay, post this. Let me have like 50 sales from this kind of thing. So there's a little bit less pressure for like it to be, you know, an overnight success kind of thing. But then it also means that with working with a full-time job, you know, time is so limited. So it's like a, you know, a balance. How do you make sure you're looking after yourself through all of that? Because, you know, I always think running a business, it's stressful enough as it is. But the fact that, you know, you're a mum as well and you've got a full-time job, it's a whole lot of Mm. things up in the air (laughs) flying around. So what does downtime look like or I guess just making sure that you're looking after your head as well as body you know um so I think weekly I try to do in the morning if I can have a shower by myself that is just honestly it's icing it's the, I'm, I'm on to a good day to be honest because usually I'll shower and I'll just have my like three-year-old just like bust through the door <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like great my job started now <laughs> my day has started so I will try and have like a really calm start to the morning. I love having my like smoothies and water and just taking it easy as I start my working day, working from home with my job. And then I really actually, this has been great since Irene's been starting to go into nursery. Going out for the nursery run has been so nice because I don't think I would leave the house if I wasn't doing the nursery mm-hmm. run because you're just literally working from home. You're doing your business from home. You're eating at home. There's no reason to go out unless you're doing a food shop. So going out for the nursery run, just the fresh, the fresh, the fresh, fresh, fresh air. <laughs> Honestly, like we were saying though, like fresh air, it's just, it's such a, like, oh, of course you need a fresh air, but like, no, you really need fresh air. <laughs> really, really do. Even the walk, I'm just like, yeah, I need it. This is so good. And then I'd say like, even I try and integrate my self-care with my toddler. So like when he's home and I've finished work, I'll try and go to the park with him. We'll try and do something fun, baking. And then I just like completely, I'm shutting down. I'm not thinking about anything. And then when he's in bed, I usually kind of have like maybe like half an hour just to kind of like recalibrate my brain. So I should like sit in silence. Decompress a bit. <laughs> Decompress. And then I'll start work usually around half seven till about nine. I don't do a lot, but that's usually what I do daily. And then after that, I'm like, okay, shower, face mask, read, just chill like I'm literally just like trying not to be on my phone try and just relax and just do something and that's usually what I do every night I don't do a face mask every night but I try and find something to do for myself yeah because I need it because it's just like I'm doing all of this extroverted stuff like all of this stuff that's demanding me whether it's work or meetings or this that and that the other it's just so necessary to like have that downtime so yeah I try and find little pockets of time throughout my day just to be like okay relax this is why I'm doing nothing and I'm a very hyper productive person so I'm just like I schedule every minute I know what I'm doing in like two weeks three weeks in advance so like having those times where I'm just doing nothing watching films watching Disney films like it just helps so much but it, even your email made me laugh for the podcast it's like I'm free from 9 20 it was like 9 20 onwards and it was like I'm such a on the half an hour so I'll go like yeah. oh, no, let's let's do 9 30 because like to me the idea of starting a podcast at 9 20 I'd be like oh this feels weird I don't even know why but I'm such a like half an hour out of person but yeah no that made me laugh before we move on to kind of like tie up 
relationships you've mentioned your fiance and how you know supportive he's been in this and the friends that were on the market stores but I'm very aware like if you're working and you've got your son and then you're working on the business in the evenings weekends like have, have you seen any relationships evolve for the better worse as the business has grown and taken up more and more of your time I would say no I think if I'm <laughs> moving on then <laughs> <laughs> I would say no. I think maybe working from home has helped because if my friend hits me up and is like, oh, can we call? I'll schedule it in and then I'll just move everything around that. Or if it's like, okay, we're doing like a birthday Zoom party, cool, I'll schedule it in and then we'll move everything around that. So I don't miss things out. I try not to anyway, unless it's just literally like, I'm busy, I can't do it. So I'd say that that's helped. If I have to leave the house, I'd literally just be like, okay, we need to think about this a little bit more. Yeah, so, so <laughs> true. I just have to crack open my screen. I'm like, I got time. <laughs> but I'd say, I think, to be honest, just having limited time has made me more conscious of the fact that I have limited time, so it needs to be quality time. So mm. I think it's actually improved it. Before, I'd just kind of, maybe I'd meet up with a friend and we just have like really like, really surface level conversations and it's almost like I don't know really really not deep whereas now if I'm checking in it's like cool how are you doing what's your mental health like how's the challenges of the past year been and it's like this really deep intense catch up whereas before it'd be like oh I've got four hours to kill let's go like we could take yeah, this yeah. One kind of thing so true I can relate to that so much it's like I've got no time for the trivial stuff like let's get to the nitty-gritty stuff yeah. What about the kind of journey rounding up then? What is this whole process of being your own boss and like creating this incredible range? Like what's this taught you about you as a person? I think it's taught me that I'm actually quite focused. I think before, like whenever I've had a hobby or like something I'm interested in, it all lacked like a good maybe three months. And to be honest, to be able to rebrand and to still have a brand at the end of it I'm like you are and the energy for it yeah exactly like if I've started something I'm super passionate about it like when at the beginning of lockdown I was so into doing my own nail art and it lasted the Instagram page really shows like <laughs> it lasted like two months and then it kind of just faded out so just knowing that I've had this brand now for like since 2018 and that's three years I'm like Tish you can do this like you're creative you're resilient you're focused you know you take your time but you know you get it done at the end of the day so like I think it's helped me to be more confident with things that I'm interested in and also knowing that it's, it's a journey and nothing's straightforward and you have to go back to go forward and all that stuff. So it's helped me to just have a bit more appreciation of my creative skills and just knowing that, okay, you can build a brand. You know, it does take time. It's not an overnight success. It really is not. So that has really been kind of my outlook so far. Absolutely. Tortoise won the race in the end. That's what the, uh, is it a proverb or a little story? I don't know what you call them. Moral of the story. Whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> right. I always end with some statements, so I would like to start and I'd like you to finish them, please. Being my own boss means? I'd say being my own boss means having creative autonomy over my time, my ideas and my income. That would be what being my own boss means. Absolutely. When it's not quite going to plan, my advice would be to? Step back, take your time, recalibrate, refocus and re-strategize. Absolutely. If I could describe myself as a businesswoman, I'd say that I am. Resilient, focused and creative. Love that. If I could go back to day one of my business, I'd tell myself. You can do this. 
you don't have to have all your eggs lined up because they move. (laughs) (laughs) That they do. They scramble, they're fried, they're just all over the place. Very lastly, Letitia, I want my legacy to be that. Hmm, I had to think about this. I had to really, really think about this. What do I want my legacy to be? And I think when I thought about it, it just had to be that ideas are nothing without work. You have to work at it. Like even the idea of obviously having that shea, the shea butter at the time, I just thought, okay, you know, sling it out there and just hope for the best. But the work that comes after that, it's just like you really have to be in for the work in order to really see its potential. And that has been the testament of everything, to be honest. Like every new product that I've had, you have to put in work. You have to market it as much as you market the others. You have to do this. It's not easy. But yeah, so like for me, every idea, every creative idea that you have, you have to put the work behind it. And I feel like that's literally something that I'd probably tell my son. If he's like, oh, I've got a business idea. I'm like, cool. Work for it. (laughs) First of all, are you willing? (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. I loved that conversation. Thank you so much. I feel like that is the perfect Friday chat for me. Yeah. This is the thing with things like this. Like it always reminds you, everyone's got a story. Everyone's working hard. Everyone's like iterating. They're just, yeah, I find it super, yeah, inspiring. So thank you. No worries. I think like talking about it, you kind of think, oh yeah, you did have a bit of a strategy because you just kind of feel like you're winging it day to day. <laughs> Honestly, that though, that's the thing. It really helps you actually connect all the dots, doesn't it? And it's like, oh no, that did lead me to them. That event, no, I did meet that person and look how that's turned out. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much to Pleo once again for sponsoring this episode and for going that extra bit further to support female business owners by handing over the mic to our amazing members during this episode's ad space. As one of their 15,000 customers, I know full well we're in safe hands with this one. It really is a game changer for how we manage expenses. So I highly recommend taking advantage of their special offer for She Can, She Did listeners and seeing for yourself what all the fuss is about. Get your first three months free by heading to pleo.io now and make sure to mention the she can she did podcast on your demo the link's in the show notes now i cannot wait to hear what you think thank you so much for listening to that episode if you happen to enjoy it please do feel free to subscribe rate review tell a friend etc etc i'm sure you know how it works by now but it really does help to give the series a little boost and i for one would be so unbelievably grateful for now though have a lovely day and please do keep a lookout for next week's episode